1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: One of the big questions is what is money?
1: For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you
2: believe in crypto?
3: Digital currency may be an answer, but it there.
0: is the highly speculative asset. Oh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second
3: past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name's Tracy, and I'm joined by my mates, Blake and Craig. Hey guys, how are you going?
2: Pretty well, Trace. G'day Trace, Hi, excited for this one? Yes,
3: excited. Look, we're actually recording our 10th episode today, so we want to take a moment to send out a mighty big thank you to you, our listeners. Um, We could not be more pleased with the amazing feedback we've been receiving, so thanks everybody out there. And today's episode comes about as a result of that feedback. You've asked us for more information on how to pick the right investments. And we can't do that for you, but what we can do is give you some tips on how to be smarter when making your choices. This comes down to three main areas being fundamentals, sentiment, and technical analysis. The most important would be fundamentals, especially as you're looking to hold onto your investment long-term. When it comes to fundamentals, it can often be hard to work out what is real and what is fake information, as there's just so much out there. Today, we'll give you some tips on how to go about doing your own research. So for me... The first time I hear about a coin, the first thing I do on my phone is go to either CoinGecko or Market Cap to have a look at that coin. So, what are we looking at at a very first point when we're checking out the coin on one of these two apps?
2: The first thing you're looking at is the price, market cap, and then you're checking out the links to their socials, checking out their website. Crypto is really the like the Wild West at the moment, it's quite different to researching for stocks or for shares. You're not really looking at, you know, product and reports and um, yearly annual reports. It's really all about, you know, the token economics, but I think, you know, fundamental analysis is so important. So, Blake, do you want to touch on some things that we're actually looking at? So, we're looking at CoinGecko, what are we actually looking for?
1: We all hear about coins, whether it be on the news or from a friend. Um, from a YouTube video, and there's a lot of information about there. But, you know, there is a kind of like a format that you can follow to be able to, you know, understand a little bit more about, you know, the projects that we're interested in and want to learn more about. The first thing that I always do is check out, you know, when I'm interested in a project is check out, you know, who's the team, who are the founders, who created the project, because this is going to be really fundamental to you know, deciding whether it's a high-value project or not. An example of this is you know I was interested in a crypto coin called Theta, and it was um, like a video streaming service built on top of a blockchain, and it was founded by some of the founders of YouTube. So, obviously, they've had proven execution capability and um, I'm sure they'll execute on, you know, their new project called Theater. As well as this, you know, there was another project that I was looking at at one point in time called Brave. And Brave is basically like a web-based browser, kind of like Google Chrome or Safari. And the founder of Brave was the guy that founded Mozilla Firefox. So, of course, you know, looking at the team and seeing you know, what other projects the founders and the, and the owners um, have been working on um, is a really good place to start.
3: So if um, Elon Musk was going to go do another car company, then we'd know that we'd be pretty happy to put some money into that one, perhaps.
1: So Blake, how are you, are you
2: just looking at their LinkedIn? Like, how are you finding out this information?
1: Yeah, good question. So I, first of all, I check out their website. And it usually has the story about the founders there. And it also talks about, you know, the team members. Some of these projects, you know, have hundreds of team members. But, you know, some of the key roles like the CTO, the chief technical officer, or the CEO, or the head of product, you know, the guys that I usually then go on to, you know, maybe even check out on LinkedIn and just see, you know, what other big things they've, you know, achieved.
2: And what do you think when you see like a... Really big token, for example, SushiSwap was by an, a pseudo-anonymous team. How do you feel about, you know, seeing these projects that have pseudo-anonymous teams? We don't know who they are. We don't know where they've worked. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, anonymity is, you know, a key principle um, and driving force in the crypto ecosystem. And there are projects out there where, you know, the founders don't reveal who they are, even like Satoshi Nakamoto. (laughs) Mm.
2: Yeah, true. (laughs) The best one was anonymous. So we should be looking at anonymous teams, should not we?
3: There's obviously more risk. There's more risk involved though.
1: Exactly right. It creates a lot more risk because These guys aren't accountable to their reputation or the law, even because they often work in decentralized teams. So, you know, what sometimes these projects are really good, but also on the flip side, sometimes um, these projects um, do prey on investors.
3: Okay, so that's the founding team. So, what else is on your checklist that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, probably the second most important thing that, that I look for is the tokenomics. Now that's a bit of jargon in the crypto sphere that refers to you know, how the economics of the token work um, within its particular ecosystem. And the first thing that you want to look at is you know, how many tokens there are, how um, valuable these tokens are, and then how what's the market cap of these tokens? So the token times their value equals the market cap.
3: And where can people find the information about tokenomics? on these different
1: coins? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. The, f- the easiest place is to look at on CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap. Yeah, that has it front and center so people can easily read the information. Craig, do, do you look anywhere else for the tokenomic info?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say actually and ask you, you know, there's some tokens that have You know circulating supply and total supply so like for example you can see these coins that might have you know 5 million circulating but the total
1: is 1 Mm. billion
2: how important do you think it is to know how these tokens get released blake and how do you even find that information
1: yeah that really is important and generally you find this information on the project's website in something called a white paper which just describes the economic model um, that they've developed within their ecosystem and sometimes these are designed to trick investors and participants Um, so it's really important that you take a good look at who's controlling the supply um, and the release schedule of the supply because on the face value of it it could look like you have a good investment but in reality it may um, be worth nothing
2: i think one of the hedge fund managers that i know says nobody cares about the total supply until it's in a bear market like no one no one looks at it until it's not it's not as hot so I think that's a really important thing to distinguish there
3: another place to check out for token economics is a website called Masari which will have all of the information I've used that one in the past which is another one to look at but what Blake do you want to explain what makes these token economics important? the overall price.
1: We really want to look at how the token's being used within the ecosystem, whether it's deflationary or inflationary. Deflationary um, obviously has a, a higher value proposition because the supply is decreasing, potentially at the same time as the demand is increasing, which you know will then dictate positive price movement. And you know, there's other ways of assessing how valuable a token is For example there's a burn feature in some tokens uh, like on the binance token which is a big cryptocurrency exchange that you know burns at a particular schedule over time to reduce the supply and and therefore potentially increase the price Um, another element to consider is you know if there's staking so staking means that people lock up their tokens for a reward And if there's 80% of the tokens in circulating supply locked up, then, you know, that obviously reduces the supply as well. And then there's other elements around projects putting revenue through the token, which would then increase, you know, its trade volume, which is another key point that, you know, may be worth considering. So there are all these nitty gritty elements um, that is certainly worth having a look into.
3: So that was a bit of information there about token economics. And we actually had a listener named Adam write into us last week asking some questions about token economics. So Adam, hopefully we've cleared a few things up for you there. Another big part of fundamental research is a value proposition. So what is it that the project is actually solving here? Can we think of a couple of examples that are stand out for us, Blake?
1: Yeah, of course. Probably the major one in this sector is the issue of scaling. So creating a global peer-to-peer digital cash system that scales is very difficult. And Ethereum and Bitcoin have encountered substantial scaling problems. Basically, this means that it's expensive and slow to use Ethereum and Bitcoin. Now, the value proposition then of a new project could be that they are aiming to be cheaper and faster to then displace Ethereum and Bitcoin. And that would be, you know, uh, they call these Ethereum killers or, or you know, Bitcoin killers. Um, and none of them have been able to displace, of course, the king and the queen. However, they have taken market share from them. And that's because they had a value proposition that competed um, with the value proposition of Ethereum. There are you know, other value propositions as well. For example, solving decentralized computer storage which basically is like a decentralized data center where I could store files on your computer in exchange for a fee. And this is a real world problem. And a group called Filecoin is trying to solve that problem. And that's their value proposition, you know, but it is a big technical task to be able to complete. And they've been working on this for many years.
2: Yeah. Just to bring it back to your Bitcoin Ethereum example, you know, I can think of two off the top of my head. So Um, The value prop of Litecoin, for example, is pretty much a cheaper, quicker Bitcoin. The value proposition of Solana is a cheaper, quicker Ethereum. Mm. So, um, that's sort of people are just always trying to pipe the the top dog. Mm. Mm. Another part of, you know, value proposition is, you know, understanding the token. Why do you want to hold it? And, you know, how do you think it's going to contribute to the problem? So, for example, with Ethereum... You know, you're holding Ethereum. Ethereum is deflationary. So as you're holding it, more Ethereum's getting burnt, which is pretty cool because, you know, as Ethereum gets used more and more, the, you know, the supply is going down. But there's also um, a few other tokens that are called governance tokens. And this is where, you know, when you hold a governance token, you're essentially holding a vote in decisions that are made by the project. So for example, a project like DHedge, which is a decentralized hedge fund management um, system. They might put in, you know, new coins or new managers to be brought onto the platform and then the community that hold the token can vote on that. So it's essentially like bringing it back to equities. It's like a shareholder vote essentially. Um, So they're pretty cool as well.
3: So what we're saying is that there's actually a lot of different options out there right now. You mentioned Filecoin and I've actually looked at another one called Siacoin doing exactly the same as Filecoin. So what we're saying is there's quite a few horses in this race and we're trying to work out which horse to back. So looking at this and looking at the competitors, how do we narrow down the field?
1: That's a really good question. So in any sub-industry within crypto um, there's going to be many people trying to you know build platforms and, and systems to achieve one particular you know value proposition. For example, there could be many lending platforms that are competing with one another and they all have you know varying points of difference. and it can be really hard to choose a winner. Um, and generally what people do is you know try to gain exposure to a subclass um, so they don't have to pick a winner. If three out of the top five projects make it, then, you know, they don't need to pick a winner. They can spread the risk. And, you know, this happens all throughout the crypto sphere, whether it's, you know, decentralized lending, whether it's cryptocurrency exchanges, whether it's gaming, you know, everyone's trying to, you know, build the best possible product.
3: Okay. So we're trying to find the best projects and we're trying to find the problem that the project is working on and we're trying to find out that they've got the best possible founding team behind them to work on this. So you're probably thinking, this all sounds very good in theory, but where do I actually find this information? I don't want to follow random threads on Reddit or unreliable YouTubers talking about their theories about the latest projects. I want to find the new ideas and I want to determine how reliable this information that's published actually is. So where are we finding out about what problem this project is aiming to work on and the reliability of the founders and their track record and also the community interest in this project? So where are we finding this information, Craig?
2: Yeah, I think... All of those decisions is obviously your personal research and you'll come to those conclusions. But I might just touch on, you know, where to find about these projects and how to find if they're actually being used. So, one of my favorite tools is CoinGecko. Uh, we touched on it before, but you, it's something really cool on CoinGecko is you can actually look at categories. So, for example, you click the gaming category. DeFi category, smart contract, applications category. And this just gives you a really high level about, you know, which are the top dogs in this space and which are the ones that are sort of just coming out. Yeah, so I might be on CoinGecko looking at the DeFi category and then I might say, wow, there's, you know, so much DeFi. I wonder which ones are getting adopted, which ones are actually getting used. And from there, I might go to a great tool called Crypto Fees. And this is where I can see, you know, which platforms are actually being used, which ones are making money in fees and, you know, which ones can I potentially earn some of those fees? What's the website, Craig? Cryptofees.info. Yeah, so I might jump on CryptoFees.info and be like, "Wow, this, um, the sushi swaps earning a billion dollars a day in fees. You know, why don't I just buy sushi, stake sushi, and earn some of those fees?" Not not financial advice, shilling, shilling. but um, yeah. And CryptoFees.info just shows you how much that platform is being used and how much money people are paying to use those platforms. So that's a really great tool I like to look at.
3: Okay, so you have an initial look at the coin, Craig, and and take it from there. Myself, when I'm doing my research, I start off looking at uh, the Binance Research page, uh, which is really helpful, and also another site called Masari. And now these are both really good for understanding the core components of these coins um, that I'm interested in. And these guys also, I feel, there's a level of trust when I'm looking at Binance Research and Masari because they're relatively big players in the space. And I guess that I think that perhaps they have gone out and done that level of due diligence. So from there, I would take my notes and then scroll through a couple of my standard YouTube channels that I trust as they're going to give me the more up-to-date news. And just with the YouTube channels, I tend to stay away from any that have really big, bold headings that are going to, that are telling me that something's going to 10x or, or go to the moon. So yeah, just something <laughs> to
1: be- Which is all of them.
3: Which is a lot of them these days, unfortunately it's all clickbait but what about you break anything else to add there for your own research
1: i take a similar strategy to craig you know i have a quick general look at you know the on coin market cap or on coin gecko and then have a look at the website and then just have a look at any community forums to cross-reference and cross-check you know what's being said but yeah i'd take a pretty high level look at it in its first instance and then if you know, I want to look deeper Then, you know, there's a whole myriad of places that you can look for your additional information.
3: So we look at a project and the goals of what they want to achieve. And we look at the founders and where they've worked before. And do they have a track record for being able to achieve those goals? Then we use the sites that we've suggested to look and start your research journey. Now that's basically fundamentals. And we know crypto is very emotional. So it's also important to have a look at sentiment of the market and the token you're investing in. Are people optimistic or are they not feeling so great about things at the moment? We need to have a look at what people are talking about and how do we do that, Craig?
2: Well, you can actually go on Twitter and search the cash tag. Now, the cash tag is essentially the three, four, letter representation of that coin. So, BTC, Bitcoin is BTC, (laughs) Ethereum is ETH, Litecoin's LTC. You can actually find that on CoinGecko just next to the coin name. And if you go on Twitter, you can actually search the dollar sign and that cash tag. And have a look at what people are saying about it. Now, nine times out of ten, it's just people saying, it's going to the moon, it's going to 100x by now. But sometimes you can decipher a little bit of, decipher some of that jargon and see some really good insight. Maybe someone's done a deep dive on the project. Maybe someone's talking to their founders. Maybe the project Twitter is tweeting about some interesting news. Um, So, I think that's a really good way of just getting a sense of what people are actually saying. But another tool I like to use, which is more for the macro like market as a whole, is the fear and greed index. This is my favorite tool. I actually have it on my home screen on my phone and it tells me how fearful and how greedy we are at the moment. And this is a tool that pretty much you know, does their data scraping across socials, across um, technical analysis and the price. And they have their own methodology, so I really suggest you check it out. Just Google Fear and Greed Index Crypto and you should you should see
3: it. What about going straight to the source where all of the communities hang out? I myself go and check out Discord. And this is an app that you can get on your phone. It's like a private chat room. And all of the good projects have one of these. So if you download the app, you can search the project and you can often you're able to invite yourself into that chat. Sometimes you will have to get an invite yourself, but quite often you'll have you know really big players of that community in that discord chatting with you and you know it's huge now especially with the nft space you know you can jump in there and find out loads of information but that is i think you know a must when researching any new project anywhere else blake that you can think of for community engagement
1: yeah i always check reddit um it's you know a lot of the chats transitioned over to discord and uh, there used to be lots of chat on telegram as well which is like a a messaging and yeah they're probably the main places i would look to see you know how the community is interacting and of course there's twitter (laughs) Mm. (laughs) which is hit and miss Mm. which is certainly hit and miss but um yeah you can't get your nuggets there
3: Mm. So if you've determined that the project that you like has got legs and you're looking at all the social media pages, you're finding reliable information about, you know, how to engage in this community and you're reading very widely on a variety of sources, not just one platform – then you're halfway there. You're doing all the right things. Another possible way to really concrete your thoughts around this coin would be to look at something called technical analysis. Now, what this refers to, charting. There's a lot of lines on a chart, things going up and down, lots of candles, people saying things like resistance and support, and that chart may look a lot like constellations and stars. And this is something that is done by traders. Now, out of the three of us, there's two of us that have done a bit of trading in our time. One of us possibly trading right now. That means <laughs> not as, not as we record, hopefully, but. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a statistic out there that says only 3% of traders actually make any money. Is that right, Blake?
1: yeah saying like that most traders um, aren't very good yeah Um, and every time you make a trade you're creating a lot of risk Um, so it often takes years and years and years of failure to um, refine your skill in technical trading and It's very difficult.
3: Yeah, it's a very difficult thing to learn. There are a lot of um, free or paid courses out there that you can take online if you are interested in going down that path. But it is something that, you know, someone once told me, you basically have to observe for a year and then you know, try with a, you know, practice account for another year and then give give it a go for a year. So it's something that you have to just keep watching and learning and trying until you something that takes a long, long time. And so that's technical analysis.
2: (laughs) Technical analysis essentially refers to making decisions based on the price. As Tracy mentioned before, there's resistance support. Um, It's quite similar to day trading in equity markets, but crypto isn't nine to five, it's 24-7. So you can tell that some day traders age quite quickly. <laughs> then, then again, some investors do it incredibly well. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, 3% people lose money.
3: No, 3% make money. 3% make money. 97% lose money.
2: Yeah, well, there you go, 97%, make, <laughs> 97% lose money and 66% of us are trading out of us three. So you know, <laughs> the odds aren't in your favor, guys.
1: No, no.
2: Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, it's, technical analysis is not my style personally and you don't actually need to know or understand technical analysis to get started. Um, that's why, you know, dollar cost averaging is such a popular strategy with investors. Um, you know, if you have high conviction in a project, you might just want to automate your buys every week or every month and then it doesn't matter if the price is going up, going down, um, you're just dollar cost averaging so you don't really mind. So, I think that's, you know, you don't need to know technical analysis but for some people, it's... It's a thing to consider.
3: Yep. So these are all just indicators from fundamental research, talking with the community, looking at research websites and reputable people. This market is not regulated, so a lot of crazy stuff happens
1: exactly right so you know when you're trading on the asx there's very um strict rules about things like insider trading you know pump and dumps which essentially means that you know people are doing market manipulation and lots of these things um you know simply don't apply to the crypto sphere because they're not regulated so we do have to pay extra caution when we're participating because it is the wild west some things you're know, to be cautious of when you're participating in the ecosystem is things like pump and dunk groups you know we want to steer clear of those because you know often you're getting dumped on if you're participating in these groups um we don't want to rely upon you know any individual's advice on social media and you know twitter can be a minefield as well because often you know the influences on twitter are being paid by the projects to promote them And they may not necessarily um, believe in the fundamentals of them. So, yeah, we have to be very careful.
2: Yeah, that's a massive one with the influencers. Like I've become a victim of, you know, influence on Twitter that, you know, they'll put up this tweet of a coin and they will say, you know, buy it now. This is going to go to the moon. And then what they'll do is they'll just sell... And then they'll delete their tweets. So there's like never any evidence that they've clearly mm. just pumped and dumped yep. a coin and it's really dangerous and it happens all the time. Yeah.
3: It's also worth mentioning you're talking about these, these pump and dumpers and these influencers and these, these personalities on YouTube who you want to not take advice from. But me personally, I've got a couple of people within the industry who – I will ring for advice, you know, like, or even I'll just hit Blake up and say, you know, I'm looking at this. So, you know, there's all, you might even have a mentor or someone who's been in the industry for a long time who you trust and you want to get some advice from. Obviously, you know, you don't want to take someone's, you know, advice verbatim. But, you know, if you've got people who you know that have been in the industry for a long time that you trust, it's also good to get their information as well.
2: Well, even just... Calling someone and talking them through what, you yeah, know, why you've come exactly. to that conclusion and just using someone as a soundboard is great. Like, I think I've, I call you all the time, Tracy, about these shit coins that I'm looking at. So it's always good to have a soundboard. Yeah, and
3: then we both ape in and then it goes to, <laughs> <laughs> it goes to zero. <laughs> and that sounds like a good spot to have a break. When we get back, we'll put the theory into practice and have a good look at a certain coin.
2: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Welcome back to the Crypto Curious. Now, let's put all this theory into practice.
1: Yeah, and the project that we've chosen today is one called Avalanche. Now, Avalanche is a blockchain that's grown massively in popularity over the last year, and mainly because it's trying to compete with Ethereum, and they're doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, the first thing that, you know, we would look at, like Craig mentioned, was going to CoinGecko and you know, looking at its price, looking at how many tokens are in circulation and looking at the market cap. So, Craig, do you have any comments about that?
2: You know, you would you essentially say Ethereum gas fees are too high. You know, surely there's going to be an Ethereum-like platform that's going to be cheaper, quicker, easier. So, okay. I'm going to go on CoinGecko and look at the smart contract application category. I'll say, wow, there's Solana, there's Avalanche. That's interesting. I've never heard of Avalanche before. So, I, you know, I go on to, Aval- to the Avalanche page. I can see that, you know, it's got a multi-billion dollar market cap. It's got, you know, a lot of volume. You know, it looks like it's quite a significant project. So I think, okay, so I wonder who's behind this. So how would I, where would I go after that, Blake?
1: I always check, first of all, that it looks legitimate on CoinMarketCap and then, you know, jump on the website and it usually has the founder story. And in this case, the founder of Avalanche was an associate professor of computer science at Cornell University. And he's specialized in operating systems, distributed systems, and in cryptocurrency research and he was the founder of an organization called avex labs and avex labs is basically like the the research group that supports the development of the ecosystem and there's hundreds of employees that you can see on the website including you know prominent managers that have worked in you know for organizations like nasa uh, you know studied at harvard um worked at you know um, professional consulting firms, and you can see that these people have executed on big projects before. So, from that point of view, if I was looking at you know speculating on this asset, then from a team and founder point of view, it's a really big tick for me.
3: What about the token economics?
1: Yeah, so the token economics often needs a little bit more digging. You can have a look on one of these sites like Coin Market Cap or or CoinGecko or you can read the white paper which is generally on the website of the project there looks to be 220 million AVAX tokens presently um, in circulation with a maximum amount of 720 million tokens which could go into circulation and what's really interesting about the AVAX token is that all the fees that um, are processed on the Avalanche blockchain they get burnt which means you know, it's a deflationary economic model. And as well as this, there's big incentives to stake Avalanche tokens, which means that you can lock them up and generate a reward of something like 10% per annum, which is great for a deflationary um, economic model because not only are tokens being burnt, there's many tokens being locked up further constricting the supply. So from an economics point of view, um, you know, it looks like um, they've developed a really great model.
2: So, like, theoretically, you could see that it's got 720 maximum cap supply. So, what you're saying is could that potentially decrease because the fees are being burnt?
1: Exactly. So, whenever the fees are burnt, it reduces the total supply of the tokens.
3: Which in theory means that yeah. the price would go up. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The next stage,
2: you know, you've looked at the token, you looked at the team and you'd say, okay, what's the value proposition? So, for Avalanche specifically, the value proposition would be that it's a high speed, low cost and it has properties of being eco-friendly. Now, Bitcoin is a crypto that uses a lot of energy um, and this is becoming quite a hot topic in the industry now, similar to, you know, equities in the share market about you know what are platforms and what are companies doing to be green and be good for the environment? And the way Avalanche has run is they take a lot less energy and it's a lot less a lot more better for the environment.
3: And if we look at community, Avalanche has got a really healthy and exciting community, one that I'm actually part of. So on Discord they've got something like I think it's over forty thousand people active in there. And when I was online recently, there was seven thousand online and all in conversation, and everything's really positive. So when you check something like that out, that's all really positive sentiment.
1: Mm, that's right. And what's really different about crypto versus, um, you know, often um, uh, crypto projects um, is that they're open source and you can check the developer activity. So you can check you know, how frequently the developer community is committing code and building the ecosystems and, you know, you don't get the opportunity to speak to the developers and companies that you're generally investing in or, or to see you know, the quality of code that they're pushing to a repository. But with this ecosystem, because it does have an open sourced element to it, um, you know, people are able to, to check these things.
3: Has anyone found anything that is a bit of a risk or a bit of a con for Avalanche when they're looking at research information?
2: Yeah. So, you know, Avalanche is a smart contract platform. Now, there is a lot of smart contract platforms. You've got Ethereum, you've got Solana, you've got Cosmos, you've got Polygon. So, you know, what they're trying to do isn't without competition. Um, So, you know, and you think, how do they differentiate themselves? I'd say the main thing is that they're the greenest. They're probably the greenest out of the lot. So, that's sort of what they've got going for them. But, you know, it is... Highly competitive space. So, yeah, what they're doing is not easy.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah.
3: Well, hopefully, we've given you some really good indicators there to take away with you when you start to do your own research into some coins. And that's it for today's episode. So, please keep the questions coming as we want to know what you want to know about crypto. Send us an email to podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. Thanks for listening to the Crypto Curious podcast. I'm Tracy.
1: I'm Blake. I'm
2: Craig. Cheers, guys.
0: See you later. Crypto Curious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Cryptocurious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait